0: Hello, hello, hello. It is September 16th, which not only means a brand new episode of Timeline Scavengers, but also our final opportunity to let you know about Snips. That's right, the Scavengers Network Indie Podcast Showcase. James and I are going to be doing our very first live show for Timeline Scavengers this Saturday, which is tomorrow, 9.17 at 5.40 p.m. Eastern Time. You can find it at twitch.tv slash the scavengers network or at snipshowcase.com. And honestly, just check out the whole weekend. Uh the schedule the schedule itself is posted on the website. It's also posted uh on our Twitter account. Uh James and I are going to be all over the place on this programming. Tonight, for example, if you tune in at any time, you will see either James or me or both. Uh and then tomorrow. Uh, You can find me during It Jams for Thee and during uh, Timeline Scavengers and Myth Takes, and you can find James tomorrow during Frankenstein's Jukebox and Timeline Scavengers and Blink, and you'll miss it. Again, that is today, 9-16, September 16th, and tomorrow, Saturday, September 17th, only on twitch.tv slash thescavengersnetwork and snipshowcase.com. We'll see you there. Excelsior!
1: Hey, everyone. Welcome to Timeline Scavengers, the podcast specifically designed to last forever. I am James Anderson, one of your hosts.
0: And I'm Colin Parker, your other host. On this show, we're going through the MCU in historical order, scene by scene, until the end of time.
1: That's right, Colin. And uh, we are in uh, (laughs) Mourngate 1945, where various characters and various universes are mourning various people that they've lost on a train blowing up. Or yeah, uh, or, blowing a hole in it and then the hand right it, you know, yeah, so <sighs> we we talked two episodes ago about how that happened for for agent yeah. Carter or Captain Carter, excuse me right uh we talked last episode about how that happened for Steve. so now we're going to get into some morning period
0: um yeah, call me Matt Skiba, you know yeah, good exactly.
1: Morning. Good morning. Well, we'll see how good it is in our in our episode today that what a transition woof. Previously on Timeline Scavengers, Captain America and the Howling Commandos attack a train carrying Zola. They successfully apprehend him, but lose Bucky in the process. We are watching What If, uh, Season 1, Episode 1. We're starting at 20 minutes even, and uh, we are ending at 20 minutes and 34 seconds. So this is a, if my calculations are correct, 34-second scene. Peggy loses herself in her thoughts, mourning Steve. While Flynn and Stark argue about the supposed indestructibility of the Hydra Stomper. She says that his name was Steve, not the Hydra Stomper. Uh, by the way, just real quick aside, I thought they were talking about the suit and not the whole person and suit combination. So I thought it was very, it, for a second, I thought it was very funny that he's like, she's like, his name is Steve. They're like, we're not, oh, right. No, 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 we're not. We're not talking about him. <laughs>
0: Right, I know, and that's the, that's the like, deeply tragic thing. Because, like, again, yeah. it does show how workplaces and also, like, especially, like, the military see, like, the person inside mm-hmm. as secondary to the weapon.
1: Yep, absolutely. You know,
0: and, the, and, like, the materialistic thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, hashtag Captain America.
0: Pretty much. Anyway, you're still coming in today for your shift, right? <laughs> exactly. Oh, right. shit, you're inside the suit. Oh, oh anyway. crap. Anyway. Oh, what's that smell? This bar? Whatever. It's <laughs> a three-year-old fish.
1: Steve... Rogers gets uh, disbarred he's no longer hydrostomper the lawyer hydrostomper attorney at law
0: coming to Disney plus
1: um upset she walks away as Flynn comments that she should never have been in the field in the first place she hears this and her face shifts to one of resolve she goes to Zola's cell where he taunts her and says that he will tell her nothing she raises her fist and so Colin what did you think of this very short scene packs a punch, I guess, you could say.
0: I, I mean, I, we already mentioned the thing about how they're like talking, they're like arguing about the machine. Right. right? Like you told me that it was indestructible, right? But it's also like deeply heartbreaking as well to consider that like, again, because she has the serum, Steve is, is not. Right. He's so fragile. Exactly. I mean, that's the thing is like, in a way... The suit could probably make it, right. but like that fall would somehow probably still kill Steve. It's like the worst egg like, drop. Because exactly. I mean, <laughs> the thing is, like, it's padded, but like, is it that well padded? Is he going to land and go, ah, oh, pleasantly surprising. Oh, look at all the snow. Oh, shit. You <laughs> know, uh, Because then also, what's he going to do? He's not going to be able to open the door. Close hatch, close hatch, close hatch. He starts to get out, and he's like, what's that? oh, no, no, no. Scrambling to get back in. <laughs> But no, so like in a way, like I'm not—I don't think that like she's necessarily blaming herself in that regard.
1: Right, right. But I, agree. I do
0: think that I do think that in general she does blame herself in this moment. Like you can kind of see how not not fully, but it's like the same way Steve blames himself for a moment with with Bucky, right? I think she kind of snaps out of it, right, way faster than he does. Right. And I think simply because. You know, with Barnes, no one was sitting there talking trash. Not trash, but, you know, like, no one was completely disregarding his life. Right. And I think also part of it is that, like, we very clearly see that they have a thing for each other. But, like, they never really got to mention it. Right. And so I think that when you have someone who, you know, she feels bad, I think, because she basically, I mean, she took him on this mission, but was also like, go ahead and check it out. Gave him the go-ahead didn't think about like didn't think ahead about traps or whatever and so then when he seemingly dies and she's like he's the only one we lost and like I lost him kind of thing yeah. you know she's the one leading the the charge leading the mission right um, even though again she knows damn well that he signed up for it right? but I think that there's like there's a moment where you can just see that she's just completely dejected you know I mean she's just so down and like heartbroken mm-hmm. right while they're sitting around talking and like she is pretty much pulled out of it simply because she keeps hearing the language that they're using and the way they're speaking. And she's like, I can't believe what I'm like. We shouldn't be arguing about like that. We should be arguing about like the loss of one of our own, Steve Rogers, you know, and that's not what happens. And so I think that when she realizes that she's kind of the only one that cares, I think that either she stops blaming herself in terms of telling herself, no, it's not your fault and blah, blah, blah. I think it's just that she just stops feeling that altogether because I think she skips the rest of that that process or that step in the grieving process and immediately goes to you know the anger goes immediately yeah. to pushing back.
1: It's interesting. I didn't. I hadn't thought about like comparing. I mean, <laughs> just a real quick read tease. The discussion question is going to segue nicely out of this discussion. Okay. Um, and what I'm about to say will be completely contradicted by the question, but I hadn't thought about specifically, like, is she blaming herself in the same way that Steve blames himself? Um, Which we'll see in a, in a subsequent mm-hmm. scene. And I think that how I was interpreting it was that she snaps out of it sooner because the difference between them, as always, like we, like we could, we could like play back a sample of us always saying this. She has that mm-hmm. military training. So she, she, does. she has that experience of, Sometimes you lose a guy. In this case, it was a guy that there was a prospect for like maybe some right. future together. And that,
0: I think that's why it hits differently, right? Mm-hmm. Because like I yeah. think losing—I mean, I'm not saying that you shouldn't care about losing someone, whether you're a doctor or you know like some sure. form of enforcement, whether it's law or you know like military, uh, militaristic. You know, it's like I, I think that you should always care that you lose someone, right? right. Um, but not letting yourself like you can't dwell. Right, you can't dwell. And also, like I, I think unless you know that you literally made every wrong choice, like almost like purposefully, like you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, if you're like, mm, I knew that this was a possibility and I said, Fuck it, go for it anyway. And right. I did that like three times in a row with multiple people going, Are you sure about that? And I was like, It'll be fine. And then someone died, like then at that point you're like, Oh, okay, yes. Right. I've severely misread that situation. It is my fault, right? right? But like in this instance, I do think it's a little bit of like, okay, yeah. if it was Bucky still, I think she would be disappointed, but I don't yeah. think that she would be the one feeling down. I think yeah. once again, it would be Steve because right. it's like, that's my best friend. I was in the Hydra Stomper. I could have found a way to save him. I could have right. flown over there. I could have picked him up, whatever, right. right? And she would be like, you can't blame yourself. In this moment, I think the only reason why there would be any kind of guilt is because she has to go through those stages entirely Mm -hmm. because it's this person that she does love. For sure. Or maybe just really, really likes. I shouldn't say love. That feels a little early. Like, like. Yeah, like, like.
1: I want to move to the discussion question. I did say this is the scene where if you were on the fence about Flynn, which like, why? But if you were. (laughs) For real. This I was I said I could cut Flynn a little bit of slack for being a man in the nineteen forties and so being a little sexist. Like he's a product of his time, fine.
0: I mean it is it is a learned behavior for sure.
1: Right. For and like society and, and you know, he's been rewarded all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But this is a- asshole. This is an asshole mm-hmm. move. You are kicking someone while they're down. Correct. Like you're not only you're punching down and continuing to punch down, it's horrible just just horrible what he says to her
0: again like like you said like they're having this conversation and like right in front of her which like okay it's a pretty heartless conversation to have to begin with
1: right well howard's pride is on the line all this stuff
0: the the comment that he makes flynn is once again like i i want to point out part of what you said which is that like what he says is fucked up right right and Again, I still almost feel like it is still a moment of it's a product of his time, right? right? That if he had said that and it was just him and Howard, you would be like, ugh, this guy. But like, again, you would go 1944, 1945, right. whatever. You'll right. go, all right, you know, like, uh, like you would yeah. roll your eyes and be like, this is not great, but like, right. it's a learned behavior, right? But it's the fact that, he doesn't wait until they're alone to say that kind of comment. Which I feel like right. that sounds like really weird, right? To say out loud, like, if you have something awful no. to say, wait until it's just you and someone else. But I mean, in general, like I think like if you're going to say something that is terrible, to say it in front of the person that you are saying it about, right. I think is like ten times worse because like not only are you having that bad thought, but you're now making it like publicly known and you're just doing it in the most insulting way. You're just shoving it in their face.
1: Right. Phillips would have kept his mouth shut. Now would be a good time for Phillips to not say anything. Even if he felt that. And even if he needed to go to some other... I mean, you know, Howard Stark is not who he would be talking to. No. Imagining Phillips talking to Howard Stark beyond like a, is it ready yet? How come it's not ready yet? (laughs) Is very funny to me. But like, if he... Don't tell me when you're dead. (laughs) Exactly. If you need to... If he needed to talk to some sort of for military planning purposes. And he really thought that she, her being in the field was the problem. Mm-hmm. He would understand that now as she is upset is not the time to say that. Even if it was someone, you know, a, a, a man now is not the time to say that that helps no one. If you need to say it later out of earshot shot of the person, fine. But he also isn't petty. Like right. Flynn is Flynn is the, is the anti Phillips.
0: I think that, what he says about her, I think of, I'm going back on what I even just said, right? Mm-hmm. Because part of me was like, I would, even if like, if you waited until she was out of the door, I would still go, oh, that sucks, but still a guy from 1943. But I'm also kind of forgetting in a way that he has now had two years of her doing these missions. Right. And being an incredible person in the field. And so actually oh, like, yeah. now that I think about it, it doesn't matter whether she's in the room or not. It he like by saying that now. Yeah. And I think that's part of part of the not issue, but like, you know, when you do things in a scene by scene or a day by day kind of situation, sure. you're kind of it's easy to forget some of those elements because you're kind of looking kind of only at one singular grain of sand in the hourglass. Right. right. You know, versus and then if you turn around you realize that you've got like a full pile behind you. You're like, "Oh, right." right. You know. But there's also like a montage context,
1: thing. Like, montages also disrupt that a little bit. So, yeah, I I agree.
0: Right. True, true. Um, But, like, that's the thing is, like, you know, it's the mentality of people who, for example, would say that they're not racist. Right. But then the second that someone who is of another race does even one thing, like, I'm going to put bad in quotations, right? So, I'm not saying that what Peggy said was bad at all. But like it, it when I say bad I really just mean that something that they don't agree with right the second that that happens that's when they're like oh yeah see uh, I always knew I always knew that this would be how you know they would be you know what I mean like yeah it's like uh you know it's like it's that's what it is it's like he's had years of experience of living in his community recognizing all the wonderful things that they have added to that community and the second one person does something Right. He's like, ah, writes off the whole bunch, you know, and it's the same thing here.
1: And basically my question came down to there's a difference in the morning time that Steve Mm -hmm. and Peggy do. And I was wondering if, if we wanted to have this discussion, we've kind of had it a little bit like, you know, Bucky and Steve knew each other for their like whole lives. Right. And Peggy and Steve had sort Mm -hmm. of just met.
0: It is a little bit proportional to how long they've known each other. Right.
1: Right. You're also on a TV show versus a movie.
0: Right. There's this time to have like a heartfelt scene. I also think it's a little bit about how they react to things. Yeah. Um, in general. And I'm not saying that Peggy Carter is a violent person. Mm-hmm. Right. But I think that because she is a fighter. I don't know right. why I enunciated uh, like that. Because she is a fighter. Fight her. Right. Um, I think that there is a little bit of like, when people tell her that she can't, or when people tell her that she's not good enough or whatever, she doesn't let that get to her. Instead, she goes, okay, I'll show you. Right. And so that's what I think is happening here. That's the difference is that, uh, and also, again, it's also the reactions of the people around them as well. Right. Because people clearly felt down when Bucky died. Right But Bucky was not some great weapon. <laughs> Bucky was not, you know, I mean, Bucky was like a part of their machine, right. But like Bucky was not, unfortunately, in the grand scheme of their crew, he was not a vital aspect. Right. if that makes any sense. Like sure. the only thing that I mean, the main thing that he was vital to was Captain. I don't right. know why I said it like that, Captain America. Right. Steve Rogers. And so in a way, it's kind of the same here. Because they completely blow past losing Steve Rogers. Right. Steve Rogers was not essential to them. It was the suit that was essential to them. Yeah. And so they lose the weapon, you know. And, you know, I will say what is kind of also interesting is that I bet you that part of that conversation was still actually had in Captain America and we just never see it when he goes into the ice. Right. I bet you Brandt and a couple other people sat around arguing, saying like, well, you said that he was going to be impervious to these sorts of things, that he would live and all this. Like, why can't we find him? He's now dead in the water. Or like, you know, like they probably have these arguments because they're like, we lost our weapon yeah. against Axis.
1: And Phillips just silently gives her the file and says nothing.
0: Right, exactly. Um, and here, though, you know, again... Going back to the time frame that we are in though, the difference is, is in how other people uh, reacted around them and then also their inner personalities. Absolutely. She is a fighter and mm-hmm. she always has been. And so when people trash talk the situation or don't react in a way that she agrees with, she gets angry and she fights back and she goes and shows them like, okay, I'm just gonna skip to the next part because I can't stand what you're doing right now so we're going to keep moving forward because that's right. what he would want, all that other stuff, right? Rogers has always sort of had to rely on his words right. uh, up until being and, yeah. Captain America uh, and also, again, has always relied on Bucky. Right. And so, you know, there's a lot of emotion and people are also mourning. There's no reason for him to get angry. Right. Except for after he finally moves past the grieving stage. Right. Because he, when he does move to anger, it's not towards the people in the room with him right right it is towards the people that basically took bucky from him right but like in this moment she like she should be mad at hydra and i think she still is because she obviously goes over to zola but like she doesn't get mad until someone sort of forces her into that right mindset
1: interesting uh yeah stereotypical gender role swap there i think i think so as well yeah
0: I think that's kind of the interesting dynamic about the two of them in the first film, yeah. And then also about you know this swap then being happening in what if it yeah. kind of furthers that a little, yeah. to some extent. Do you think
1: that she's pissed off at Howard? Like, he's being insensitive here, but but like he's not Flynn. I don't know.
0: I I think she is because yeah, yeah I do too. Because she doesn't say like you know Flynn, stop it. Yeah, his name was whatever. Right, like she doesn't stop and correct one person. Right, she turns around and is like interrupting both of them. Right, and you know when when Flynn says the thing that he says, you don't see Howard for very long, but just in his body language and everything like that, you can tell that Howard knows that he messed up. Right, right, because like he kind of gets quiet and just and he sort of slumps a little bit. Yeah, and Flynn's like. Told you she was never meant man to blah blah blah. Yeah. And I think again, it's because Howard realizes that he kind of let his pride come before right. his friend for a moment there. Yeah. Um, although I also will say to Howard's defense, if you are in a space, let's say like a work environment, and you are grieving, but then someone comes up to you and just starts immediately being like, I want to get into this bullshit that you've pulled. Yeah. You're in like an emotional state. So you're going to kind of fight back. You're going to be like, okay, listen. Like, and you're going to start fighting back. Like, I think that she's upset with him. I don't think she's pissed at him. I think she's upset with him. And I think she's pissed at Flynn.
1: Flynn is basically saying, you messed up your design and engineering. And that's why this, you know, whatever. So, first of all, you know, we can assume that Howard is mourning his friend. They've spent enough time together. They've gone out drinking together, whatever. So, first of all, hey, shut up. Second of all, no, I didn't. Like, it, this, my, my stuff worked fine. Right. Like.
0: Right. Because yeah. I also think that what is also happening here is although he's not saying it out loud, I he I will say the one thing that is apparent, though, is that he is not at any point blaming Steve. Right. Right, which I think is, I do think that is also a crucial thing to to yeah. mention, is that, like, he's not saying at any point, like, like I did design it in this way. It's just, it's just that Steve right. couldn't get out in time, and so Steve, like, because of that, Steve and the machine fell. No, he's saying like, I did build an indestructible machine, or at least as close as we can, like in scientific, right. you know, possibility. Right. It has stood up to a tank. Think about how many explosives they put into this thing for it to be right. stopped. Right? right. Like to say, like, think, just think for a moment, Flynn, about how much has to go into that to take this thing down right and he's like I built this like no one could have built this in any and any better right you know so like he has to defend himself because again he took pride in his work and right. I think that he he took pride in his work and I think specifically like kind of like the serum in a way I think that there's an interesting moment here which is that he was a part of project rebirth and I think that he believed, In the idea that Steve could be a hero just as much as Erskine did. Absolutely. Because when he built that machine, he could have put Bucky in it. He could have put Mm -hmm. Dum Dum Dugan in it. He could have put any of those guys into these suits, into the suit. Instead, he was like, he literally makes this suit and says, you ready to join the war effort, Steve? Yeah. Like, he does this because he goes, Steve didn't get to get the super soldier serum, but he still has something great in him. Right. And I, I think that he is the person to operate this suit because he will have that power and he will respect that
1: power absolutely so
0: like i think that there is a lot to be said about how he sees his friend yep um and i think that like he lets the moment get a little bit of the better of him Mm -hmm. because he's also in an emotional state sure probably not as emotional obviously as a person who's in love with him um but like or in like with him right but like i think that's why she is angry is that like he does let his pride get the better of him Part of her is sort of like, you're better than that. Right. And I think that's, I mean, because that's the thing is that like when she does interrupt it, he stops fighting. Right. And Flynn keeps going.
1: Right. He never says, like, listen, let me just finish this last thought. Or like, he's like, well, okay.
0: Right. He, he goes, okay, note taken.
1: Yep. You know, he, as he always does, like,
0: yeah. You know, I, I think that that's the fun thing about Howard Stark and how he's represented in the MCU. Very similar to his son, there is a lot of braggadocious bullshit. Right. um, And there's a lot of insufferability at times. However, there has always been a heart of gold in both of them. Yep. And when something does upset someone or what what have you, he does take the note. Yep. Like. Because he's a scientist.
1: Yeah. Like, if you take it from, like, scientific method, he's like, okay, that didn't work. We're not trying that again. Take note, take like
0: Tony, for example, like, you know, pulls some bullshit in Iron Man one. But that those types of moments, especially with Pepper around, he does not pull them again in any other film right. because he's like, no, I really, really like this one. and I'm not going to do these things that upset her. Right. And that's a huge part of Iron Man three. But like, again, like he's in this hyper paranoia moment Right. And like, that's the only reason why he doesn't immediately take the note because he's like, his mind is so boggled, basically. Well, he, you know, he's,
1: he's, Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get there when we get there. But we'll get there. Yeah, he's, yeah, no. he's reaching but, I mean, the point. I I'd never thought about the um, Iron Man, you know, m- development of the suit paralleling his development as a man. Yes. And so when he gets to Iron Man 3. And he's
0: like, Now I ain't gonna lie to you. The bowl is done and messed up. They went off on a tangent and just derailed the entire show. Let's get back on track, shall we? Tangents. Which is that like Howard, again, does these things like he goes off and he flirts with a bunch of women. Maybe he gets a little lucky. I don't know. Um, but like in this moment, like when it comes to like, for example, his friends. He makes a joke or he does a thing or whatever and realizes that like he reads the room and says, ah, Peggy is not interested in me. I will, you know, duly noted, and then like immediately goes, okay, maybe we are just friends, like maybe that's the dynamic. Right. Then sees that, and especially in this, right, he sees the two of them falling in love literally in front of his very eyes, where he's like, "Hang on, just keep on going as if I'm not here." And he's like, "Right, ah, this is so cute. I'm gonna watch you Right. know. He's watching he's like, a rom
1: com right in front of him. Exactly.
0: Like, it's like the first Hallmark movie ever, right? He's like, "Ooh, this is profitable. I got Hallmark to make it one." Nice. Ooh, that's very good, James. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, he built that in a cave with a box full of scraps, <laughs> and uh, he said, "Here you go. It's a Christmas movie." Anyway, um, so that's the that's that though. I I, yeah. I think though that we've I I hope I've answered all the different yeah, questions. Yeah, I we've think I think that that's a good an excellent there, discussion
1: but. that I like. That's the discussion I wanted to have. Absolutely. Yeah. But that's it. That's all that I had uh, for this scene. Okay. So,
0: uh, that's all that I have as well. I mean, it's a very short scene, so it's it's hard sure. to have a but lot. It's
1: it's packed with emotional resonance, though, and I th- I it fascinating.
0: Yeah, lots of stuff going on. I think that's the one. I think that's the one thing that I think TV shows do better than movies, because like with movies, you have a lot more time to develop emotion. Right. So you can kind of draw things out a little bit with movies, um, which yeah. is. Well, yes. Sorry. Okay. Here's, here's what I mean. Versus a single episode of got the it, TV.
1: Got it, got it, got it. Yeah, yeah. To be
0: clear. Yeah. Like, in a, in a TV show, you can draw stuff out way further. Like, sure. if, if it's multiple episodes. But right. if it's a one shot, if it's a one and done story. Like this. Like, right. Like this is, right? 30 minutes versus a two-hour film. You're going to have more time to develop the emotional. Like, again, the fact that it's like a three-minute scene. Right. When we're dealing with Cap and Peggy talking about Bucky's death versus right. Cap and Stark and Flynn. Right. You know, you got yeah. 30 seconds. Yep. Um, So you kind of have to push all the emotions into overdrive and hit the same points almost, or close to the same points in a much shorter time.
1: Like Peggy being doing, you know, doing her stuff faster.
0: Yeah. That's funny. You know, we don't have time it, it all- for
1: a USO tour. <laughs>
0: We don't have time you for emotions. You gotta get to it. You gotta get going. <laughs> um, but like, I don't know. I think that like, it is one of the things though that I have thought about. Like again, one episode versus a full movie, mm. also versus a full series, because there are right. things that happen on like the Disney Plus series where I've been like, okay, there are times where I think that the pacing gets a little off because you go, okay, this maybe could have been a five episode series. And you could have hit all of these main points, and I like, just got into it a little bit quicker. Uh, but still, at the same time, I appreciate the fact that we get like a full six episodes because right. even if the pacing is occasionally a little off, I still think overall the pacing feels better than some of the movies because you actually get time with this information. Right. The amount of like with especially with the newer heroes, like people who haven't been introduced to us before, getting their own shows, you get to actually experience their full origin and then a story right versus being like we have to cram their origin into the first act right as fast as possible because right. the second and third act have to be everything else right you know and i think that the what if episodes are a fascinating way to look at that of like sure. how do you hyper condense a movie right into one episode yeah and i think most of them do a really good job with it
1: I agree. With I that. really
0: like this one. I think this one is a really, really good example of, of one that does it right and does it well. Yeah,
1: it's a, it's a great opening track for sure. Yes, for sure.
0: This is the Blink One Eighty Two of the What If, <laughs> right? Like always, ha- it has a banger of an opener.
1: You know, uh, uh, you know, and I would say that Captain Carter is like the dump weed of. I've always said that. <laughs>
0: I've I've always said. You know me. Can I make a T-shirt now that somehow says Captain Carter is the dump weed of. What if and like our merch printer is going to go, I feel like we're not allowed to print this, but this is also such a nonsense sentence. That <laughs> I guess we can.
1: You know, just real quick. This is a tangent. Well, they've done it again.
0: Now, I ain't going to lie to you. The bull is done and messed up. They went off on a tangent and just derailed the entire show. Let's get back on track, shall we? Tangents. Okay, shall I um, throw the Steve Rogers into the mountainside?
1: His name was Steve. Oh, you did say Steve. Okay. Yeah. did say, it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Well, listen up, folks. Today is September 16th. Well, not when we're recording this. It's August 14th. But the day right. that this episode is airing is uh, September 16th. Yep. So I would like to remind you that today, this evening, is uh, the first night of Snips, the Scavengers Network Indie Podcast Showcase. Uh, so it's going to be tonight and tomorrow. Uh, you're going to want to go to check that out because Colin, that's me, is going uh, to be a part of a couple of different shows. And then James is going to be a part of a couple different shows. And one of those shows that we're both going to be a part of is in fact this show. So you're <laughs> going to want to check it out. And so again, you can go to snipshowcase.com. That is S-N-I-P-showcase.com. And uh, you can find all the times on all the information. uh, Because as I'm saying this right now, I don't exactly know exactly what time our slot is. Because uh, we're fixing up the last bit of the schedule the day after we record this. (laughs) Uh, So you know, that's the beauty of recording times. But again, if you go to the website, all the information is going to be there. You'll be able to find out where to watch it, which is going to be twitch.tv slash the scavengers network. Uh, And you'll be able to follow along, get in the comments, and, you know, make your voices heard. Anyway, that is it. Snipshowcase.com and uh, the Scavengers Network Indie Podcast Showcase. Absolutely. Featuring Colin and James. Yay! And no one else. No kidding. Uh, Great. That is it for us today. James, thank you for joining me. Uh, This has been a lot of fun. And I said for joining me, even though it was your episode that you, <laughs> did, but whatever. But thank you for being a part of this, James. And uh, I can't wait to see what we do next. Yeah. Which will be what is next anyway? Hang yeah, on. Let's just take a look. This was number four. Up next, ooh, one of my favorite scenes actually. This is going to be fun. Uh, well, we'll see you guys on Monday, and we'll also see you at the SNP Showcase. Uh, as always, I'm Colin Parker.
1: I'm James Anderson.
0: Excelsior.